0: Welcome back, friends. You are listening to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Cherise Sims, mama to six beautiful heavens, ages 13, 12, 10, 8, and twin five-year-olds. We are here today talking all things parenting. First of all, thank you guys for coming back week after week. If you're new here, welcome. I hope that you will continue to come back week after week. This is kind of my me time. This is my me time tuning in with community. And as you all know, I love to start with the peak and pit of my day. (laughs) This is something that I do with my own family. We use it as a way to connect with each other and find out what's going on in one another's day in a way that's easier than just like, how was your day, what did you do? And we usually do this at the dinner table. So we don't do this immediately when we get back together. We do this when we've had a moment to break from our day and are kind of removed from the things that have happened from the day. I like to do that here with you all. And the pit of my day was that my daughter, my five-year-old hurt her wrist. Y'all, for those that listen, you can only guess how and where she hurt her wrist. She hurt her wrist on the trampoline. I don't know how many times I've mentioned this trampoline. I think all of us probably at this point in time are like, Sharice, get rid of the trampoline. But it's also a lot of fun. But she hurt her wrist on the trampoline. That was definitely the pit of my day. However, the peak of my day was that after we fixed her wrist and got her her little wristband, dropping her off at school felt very comforting because You know, when your babies are hurt, like you hurt also, right? So she's hurt. I'm crying. My children are like, mom, I think you're more hurt than she is hurt. And I almost felt like I just want to keep her home today. I want to keep an eye on her all day. I don't want anything to happen. Uh, But she was very excited to go into school. So we took her into school and I got a chance to talk with her teacher and let her know what happened and tell her to kind of keep an eye on her wrist and make sure that she keeps her wrist guard on one of the things that I love so much about my children's school is the community there and the people there. And I feel like so many of the teachers are second mamas, second papas, aunties and uncles to all of my kids. And it just makes me feel really safe and secure leaving my children there. So today we are going to talk about how do you find that preschool or daycare? How do you find that place where you feel like you are finding a home away from home for your child? If you can, get a notebook, a pen and paper, take some notes. If not, listen to this now. If you're driving, listen now. Take mental notes. You can always come back later and take some notes to help you in your search for preschool. All of the things that we're going to go over today are going to help you in your search for preschool or daycare or an infant center. And I know for sure that mamas and papas who have an infant right now, you are probably the most worried, stressed, anxious about trying to find yourself the perfect place because you have a child who cannot yet talk and who can't come home and tell you what happened during the day. And I know that is one of our biggest fears as parents is like I don't even want to send my child somewhere until they can tell me what happened during the day, who did what, who said what. But not all of us have the privilege to be able to stay with our children until they can do that. So a lot of us do have to send our children off into preschool, into daycare early on, and we want to make sure that they are doing well. So if that is you and you have those worries, I don't want to tell you not to worry, right? Sometimes our worry serves us in in the realm of we know that we have to be very cautious and very diligent and intentional in what we're doing. So today I'm going to help you to build that intention and try to cover some things that maybe you have thought about and just need that validation of I'm on the right right track or maybe you haven't thought about it and you're like, thank you for sharing, Sharice. I didn't even think to ask about that. So we're gonna go through like seven steps of what you're gonna do to choose your infant center, daycare, preschool. The first thing you're gonna do is research your area. Research the area that you live or the area that you work. When you have a small child, now this is my opinion, But I think it's a great one, so I think you should take it. (laughs) When you have a small child, you want your child close in proximity to where you are or where you work, either where you live or where you work, right? Or close in proximity to other family members, someone that can get to them in the event that there is an emergency situation. You want to be able to get to them and get to them rather quickly, or have a trusted individual that can get to them quickly. Now, if you go to Google, Or your local licensing center. I'm in California. So for me, it's California Child Care Division of Social Services. You can just go to that website of your local child care accreditation person, people's, right? And if you don't know, just Google it. And in there, there's usually a search engine that allows you to search by zip code. So I would start there. If you don't have any idea where to start, I would start there. Even the preschools and daycares that have been in your area, if you've taken walks around the block and you've seen them and you've wondered about them, they should be in that database. So you should be able to find them and look them up online. If you can't, that means that they are not licensed and that's probably not a place you want to send your child. Definitely not a legal place you want to send your child. So if you don't find them in the database, that is number one, that you are not on the right track of finding a safe environment for your child. So start there. Check online. When you're online and you find these places, do all the basic background research, right? Visit their website, check it out, look at the pictures, see what kind of vibe you feel, see if they have any socials, visit their socials. Anytime I visit someone's social media in terms of like a business or organization, one of the first things I like to do is head right over to the tab where it has tagged photos. I don't want to look at the photos that you have uploaded. I don't want the sugar-coated cherry on top moments of the day I want to see what other people are saying about the school. I want to see how often you're being tagged with, we're so happy we're here. We love our school. They're doing amazing things. I want to see how often they're communicating with the school and saying, look what my child is learning at home. Thanks to teacher so-and-so. So I head over to their socials. I click that tagged tab and I look at the pictures that they've been tagged in, right? This sounds a little stalkerish, but this is these are our children, so we got to stalk these schools a little bit. I also like to do things like go to Yelp, look at Yelp reviews, look at whatever other review sites are in your area, look at the reviews and see what people are saying, and look at both spectrum of the reviews, right? And then like look at them with caution or in the realm of like most likely you're going to find a parent or two that was not happy. Because the thing is, with Yelp reviews, and I'm sure most of you already know this, you're either going to get people who have had like the most phenomenal experience and are so excited that they're going to go leave a review, or you get someone who is mad and this is their way of revenge and they're going to go leave an awful review. The reviews are helpful in reading what they actually say. Not necessarily looking at the stars, but reading what they actually say. Because when you read it, you can hear... Is this a parent that is just mad that something happened? Is this a parent that has a valid concern? Are there several parents that have shared this valid concern? And it gives you a little bit more insight into the school. The third thing, so that was number two, sorry. First thing was research your area. Second thing is check out online resources and socials. Third thing is to visit and observe. Call the school. And when you call, I will also mention that I pay attention to the way that people are answering the phones. Some people answer the phones like they are annoyed that you called and they don't have time for you or they're busy or you hear background noises that can be alarming sometimes. And some people answer the phone and they're bright and chippy and cheery and happy to help you. So when you first call, always feel the vibe and the energy of the space, right? From the website to the socials to the reviews to that first phone call, you are building that connection with these schools that you're looking at. So call them. Ask them whatever preliminary questions you have and let them know that you're interested in visiting the school and want to set up a time to come and observe the school. Now, it's up to you and or the school if you want to come and observe just yourself, yourself and your partner, or yourself, your partner, and your child. It may be easier for it to just be you and or you and your partner, right? This first observation, you don't necessarily need to have your child, but it definitely cuts out on time if you have your child and can also see how they respond to the environment. When you're at the school, there's the obvious things that you're going to be looking for, right? You're going to be looking at the space. You're going to be asking yourself, is it clean? Is it safe? When you're looking at safety, there are a few things that I want you to look for. I want you to look at the emergency exits, right? See, do they have the emergency exits? Do they have the emergency signs over the exits? This seems a little bit silly. I'm sharing this because it... Attests to the fact of whether, like, how detailed an organization is. And when they have all of their I's dotted and their T's crossed you know that there's taking the same amount of precaution with your children. So there are some facilities, even in-home facilities, and I can tell you this as a licensed provider, when you have a facility, you are supposed to have all of these things. You're supposed to have emergency exits marked. You're supposed to have maps on the wall of the, like the blueprint of the building and where everything is with emergency exits. These things are supposed to be visible to parents for the reason that we need to know where to go in case of an emergency. We're supposed to have, um, what are those things called? <laughs> fire extinguishers. Make sure they have fire extinguishers. Check them out. Make sure those fire extinguishers are up to date. I can't tell you how many people buy a fire ex- fire extinguisher and don't refresh or renew their fire extinguisher for years And yes, the fire departments are supposed to come by and check on those, but I will tell you that I know plenty of people, this is a sad fact, but it's a true fact, I know people who have not had up-to-date fire extinguishers, fire department will come, they'll say, okay, send us a picture of your up-to-date fire extinguisher when you get it, they will head to Home Depot, take a picture of a fire extinguisher, send it to the fire department, and never replace the actual fire extinguisher in the building. So again, that's like that's kind of shady, right? <laughs> this is not a place you want your child, but these the things are in the details. So when you're checking for safety, check the details. Look to see what doors are open, what doors are accessible, what items are accessible, are sharp things out for the children to be able to reach? Are cleaning solutions left in a place where children cannot reach them? Have they just been left out on the table? These are things as you walk around, you want to see How careful are the teachers? How careful is the environment? Are they upholding to the standards and making sure that they are taking every caution to make sure that your child is safe? And again, especially with those littles, I understand firsthand that running a preschool, an infant center, a daycare, it gets extremely busy. It's very fast paced. But that is not an excuse for cleaning an area and leaving out cleaning supplies. Because it only takes a moment for your child to get cleaning supplies and spray it in their eyes or drink some of it or whatever, right? So as you walk around, pay attention to how detailed and careful they are with just general safety and environment. One thing that I also look at with environment is like the physical space of it and can my child be seen in every area? Are there areas where my child might not be visible to the teachers where they might get harmed or might get something in their mouth and you know not be seen when they're in trouble. So I look at the openness of the area and the visibility of everything. I look at that in the indoor space and the outdoor space. Another thing, and this is probably the biggest thing you're going to pay attention to, is the interactions. Pay attention to the interactions between staff members, right? I've been to places where the staff members just love each other and vibe with each other and flow with each other and pick up off of one another where they just work so well together. And I've been environments where teachers do not like each other. That type of environment affects the children. If you have teachers who are not getting along or teachers who don't treat each other with warmth, kindness, respect, that affects your child, not only how they experience their day, but also how they interact with other people, right? Because the adults in their life are the ones that are modeling all of these things that we want them to have, modeling respect, modeling kindness, modeling empathy. If the adults in the space don't have that for one another, your child is going to have a hard time learning it for their peers, for other adults in the area. So look at how staff are interacting with each other. And then, of course, how staff are interacting with the children, One thing I also look out for is like, how are staff interacting with me when I walked into the building? Was I greeted? Was I introduced to people or did they just continue with their plans? And again, I understand that places can get busy and you can be in the middle of an activity or in the middle of a circle time. But I can tell you that the best spaces and environments I've been in when it comes to children are spaces where no matter what is happening, someone always has the time to stop and give you a smile, a wave, a hello, and make you feel welcome in the space. Another thing you want to look at when you're observing or ask about also is like ratios. How many teachers do you have to how many children? How much help is there? And What do you do when a teacher is out sick? It's always good to know sub plans. Do you guys have substitutes on deck that you call in? How do the the children acclimate to them? Do you shift teachers around to be in the classrooms? You want to know, like, what happens if my child's teacher is out for a day? Who are they going to be with? The fourth thing that you want to look at are qualifications and experience. Now, this really does vary state by state. There are some states that require less educational qualifications than others, but no matter what state you're in, the more qualifications, obviously, the more the teachers and the staff, admin, whoever is there is going to know about your child. This goes true, this holds true for an in-home daycare. Now, what I know about California is that even with in-home daycares, don't quote me on this, do your own research, but I actually think like anybody can open up an in-home daycare. I don't think that you need any educational experience or any educational background to open up an in-home daycare, but preschools and centers, you do have to have educational qualifications. But it's good to know and it's good to ask about, because if you have a daycare, and I'm not saying that all daycare providers have to have had a degree in child development. I'm not saying that, but you want to know that they have educated themselves in some way and have something more than just, I love children, because it's great to love children, right? Like, I I love cars, but I'm not a mechanic and I can't fix your car. (laughs) I love chocolate, but I cannot make you chocolate. So love sometimes, while it is a very essential thing, it's not always enough. They also have to have some type of qualifying factors. And for you and your family, you can decide what those qualifying factors are, right? Is it a certain amount of education? Is it a certain amount of experience? But you do at least wanna know what it is. Along with the qualifications and experience, you also wanna ask about like professional development, continued education, and trainings that are happening for staff, for the person who's operating the facility what are they doing to continue to learn about child development? Because just like technology, we are always learning new things about human behavior, always learning new things about child development. And I can give you an example. When I first started as a teacher, in our employee handbook, and in the parent handbook, under philosophies and policies, we used to have that Children would, you know, if it, part of the discipline was that if children misbehaved, they would go on timeout and there might have been a timeout corner and children would sit in timeout one minute per every year of age. That was, I don't know, 20 years ago or so. Now, people like calm down corners. They realize that children shouldn't be sent away and left alone when they are misbehaving or when they're having a hard moment or a hard time. They need to actually be engaged and involved and connected to someone to be able to learn the tools on how to cope and how to manage with these challenging situations. So continued education, continued training, it's important because we're learning more things about child development. We're learning better tools on how to address behavior, how to address learning. We're learning new tools on reading and STEM. And now with the advancement of technology, technology is incorporated in a lot of places. So we wanna know, how are you using that? How? What do you know about it, right? So ask them about that. And as a reference or framework, pro- professional development and trainings, it's not something that has to happen all of the time. I would say like, you would hope that they're doing it one to two times a year. And for your better schools that have, I don't want to say better schools, but schools that have more resources, schools that have better resources, you will find that those teachers are usually doing trainings and PDs probably about four times a year, if not more than that. Or if you look at your public school system, right? Those schools are doing trainings, I think like every Tuesday, they have professional development. So you want to find a place that does Prioritize professional development with their employees or with themselves. Even again, if it's an in home daycare, what are they doing? What is the provider doing to make sure that they're staying educated? Knowing that they're doing professional development, I do want to encourage you as a parent, like give them a break then on days that they have to close. (laughs) Like if you have a space that is open all year round, ask them, well, then how are you training yourself? And if you have a place where you're like, God, you got a lot of days closed, ask them what are the days closed for? If some of those days are closed for professional development, honor that and appreciate it and be happy because it is gonna benefit your child and you. So now moving on to number five, we're gonna look at health, safety, and behavioral policies. You wanna know what are the protocols for illness? What are the protocols for emergencies? Obviously, I think you're already asking the question about vaccines. I think that's probably one of the number one questions that parents have. That is something that you will really have to do your research on, because, again, in my own experience, the requirements for vaccinations has changed greatly over the years. As someone who operated a private preschool, I was not under the same jurisdictions as publicly funded preschools and infant centers. And so with it, I did have a certain amount of jurisdiction on whether or not I could accept children who were or were not vaccinated. And I had a lot of parents who were specifically looking for places where it was not a requirement to have vaccinations on a certain schedule. I can tell you about five years into my business, they changed that. And I got a letter saying, everybody's got to be vaccinated. Yet and still, there are some places that don't have that requirement. So that is really an area that I know is important to parents, but you really got to do your own research. When I say your own research, I don't just mean asking the school. You probably want to actually find out, like, does the school require vaccinations and is the school in alignment with state procedures and protocols or whoever their guiding jurisdiction person is? So yeah, you want to look at the visitor policies, like can people just walk in and out? Do people need to sign in, sign out? And what are they doing to keep your own children healthy? So along with like the illness protocols, you want to know how are they separating children who are sick, even if it's a child who like came in and didn't show signs of sickness until an hour after they were there. Is my child still exposed to the sickness? Do I know what they've been exposed to? How do I find out what What are all your policies around health, safety, and behavior? And when I talk about behavior, I'm referencing again that kind of that discipline thing. Every facility that you go to, whether it's in home or a center, all of these places should have a parent handbook. In that handbook, it should be listed how they discipline children. Do they do timeouts? Do they have calm down corners? Do they have an expulsion policy? I know some preschools that expel children. I personally don't really understand it, but I know it's a thing that exists, right? So what kind of support does your child have in behavior? And then that kind of moves us into number six, which is communication and parent involvement. Because along with like, how do you discipline? I want to know, how can I reinforce that disciplinary action at home? And by reinforce, I don't mean like, Tell me when they were being bad at school so that I can reprimand them at home. I mean, how can we work on things together? What's the language being used at school so I can use the same language at home? If you guys are using certain tools or techniques at school, what are they so I can use them at home? How is the school communicating with the parents so that we as the parents know what is happening with our child? There are lots of schools that now have different apps that they use so that on a regular daily basis, you can see what story time they did, what activities your child did, what they ate. You can kind of get an updated report as the day goes on like what your children are doing. Not all schools have the app. Some of them do. Some of them might have monthly newsletters or emails, but it is something you want to know. And for your own comfort level, you want to be in touch with what do I need? Like, am I cool with just monthly letters or do I want to be updated daily? Is being updated daily overwhelming and too much for me? For me, with my preschool, I did have an app. We did daily updates to let them know all of the activities that we did during the day, what we read, cute little anecdotes from the day. And we did that because we did have small children, small children who would most likely go home and say, oh, I played today. It was fun. And that's the end. So being able to update parents with like specifics to our day allowed them to have greater conversations with their children. Knowing what your child is doing can allow you to stay connected to them. It can allow you to have insight and and open up conversation for you and them. So this communication between you and the school now actually becomes a tool for communication between you and your child Another thing when it comes to communication is like, you want to know how far in advance you find out about school closure days, holidays, performance days. You want to know, are they doing any type of parent-teacher conferences? Are there any type of progress reports? And progress reports can sound silly when it comes to our little littles. I think that some type of documentation is still very important, especially for your littles. Because if you're a parent who is looking at daycare or preschool, you may have a child that has an undiagnosed need or a learning challenge or maybe be neurodiverse, and it hasn't been seen yet because they haven't been in school yet. So this is the space where you're going to start to get those how do I want to say you're going to get that feedback where you know whether or not you need to look into finding more support for your child. And this is always more helpful when you actually have documentation. So when I'm talking about progress reports, I'm not necessarily talking about like, is my child getting an A in cutting, (laughs) like in cutting paper and using glue and scissors? I'm talking about like, how, how are they doing? Do you see any signs of anything? Do you see any signs that they might be gifted, right? Like you want to have some type of documentation and paper trail with your child growing up so that you have the best outlook and scope on your child so that you're always able to best support them and something even to give like the next, you know, going to kindergarten, you can say here's what to look out for, here's where they excel, here's what works, here do- what doesn't work and you have something that you're really able to share with multiple people in helping you to raise your child and always keep them safe. Number 7 and this is the last thing is curriculum and activities. There are so many different curriculums that schools use. And I will say that this is a huge question that parents ask is like, how do I know what the difference between all of these curriculums are? I don't have time today to break down the many different philosophies that preschools use. What I will say is that we have a Parenting for the Culture podcast club. In there, I'm going to put a list of the seven to 10 most popular preschool philosophies, preschool curriculums that people use so that you can take a look at it to try to see which one best fits your child. Obviously, they have, they have some curriculums that are more child-led, some that are more mapped out and planned out, some places that are more structured, some places that are more play-based. I feel like the message that I hear a lot on social media is like how much play should happen and I am a huge advocate for play and exploration and creativity, and I will also say that some children need more structure. So you, knowing your child, can take a look at the different philosophies and find out which one is best for my child. There is not necessarily one that is better than others, but there is one that might be best for your child. You also get to know this based on Going back to number three, like visiting and observing these schools. Just by being in them, you can kind of take a look at the children, take a look at the teachers, and get a feel of like, this seems to best fit my child. But you do want to make sure that your school that you're looking at has an established curriculum, an established philosophy for educating children. So these are all of the various things that you want to look at, and then it goes without saying that you're also going to look at the finances, right? This is like a little uh, bonus, I guess. Yes, you do want to look at the finances, but do not let the financial obligations stop you. Many schools do offer half-day programs, full-day programs, scholarships, and many schools have subsidized programs. Subsidized programs are financial programs that help you pay for school. So you want to ask the school, you know, the prospective daycares, centers that you're looking at, you want to ask them about these programs, you want to ask them if they have any of these things available, and you don't necessarily want to let this be a deterrent to you putting your child in school. Because one of the things that I do want you to think about, and one of the things that I hear, is still asking this question about like, well, how necessary is it that my child goes to preschool? Now, this takes us back to that idea of play. Preschool, well, I'm going to drop off infant. I think people do infant care like if they need care. But preschool, it's really that period of time where your child does get to explore. And they do get to play. And they do get to learn how to interact with other children. And by the time they get to kindergarten, while there's still a lot of play and creativity, there's a lot more structure as early as kindergarten. And so if you just take your child from home straight to kindergarten, they miss the opportunity to learn a lot of essential skills, emotional skills, social skills that are going to help them in that structured environment. Kids are excited about school. So if you take a child's kindergarten, like they're going to be looking at it kind of like Disneyland. But if they get to Disneyland and they don't get to ride as many rides as they thought because they had to sit in line for most of the time, like they're going to be very disappointed. So give them the opportunity to go to Disneyland. Disneyland being preschool in this scenario. (laughs) Give them the chance to go and have that time to really play and explore and have fun and just be free in an environment where people have like carefully crafted activities and places where they can do these things safely, right? Like don't have them at your house tearing up the flower, thrown it all over the place, let them be at school where they can get messy and have fun and play and it not be a problem. So the last thing that I'll say when it comes to finding a place is like your number one guide is going to be you and your instincts, right? Where is the place that you felt best when you stepped inside or when you called them on the phone or even when you saw their website? Where is the place that spoke to you the most where you feel like, I think we're going to be good here. In all situations, don't get caught up in all of the information that's out there and then get yourself confused. Your instinct is going to be your greatest guide. So your homework for this week is going to be to head over to the Parenting for the Culture podcast club. That is where you're going to find a list of the different philosophies and curriculum, as I stated earlier, so you can kind of get acquainted with that That's also where you're going to find a community of parents who have either been through this process or are currently in this process, and you can ask them, what are the things that you loved about your daycare? What are the questions that maybe you wish you had asked that I should be asking now? So head on over. The link is right here in the show notes, or you can also come over to my Instagram page at Cherise Sims. The link is also there in the bio. And if you have any other questions, whether it be about how to pick a school or how to communicate with my partner about parenting, (laughs) whatever your questions are, you can send them to us at podcasts with an S at blacklove.com, or you can DM me on Instagram. Don't do that. You can do it, but do do the email Um, and ask your questions because I love to answer your questions It not only helps me to best serve you, but it helps the whole community over here at Parenting for the Culture as we continue to grow in our parenting journey. Y'all, thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for my faithful or to my faithful listeners. I appreciate you. Share this podcast with a friend and come back next week as we continue to grow as parents. Happy parenting, friends.